Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. I am Todd Conklin, and you're in luck today. Yeah, today's a lucky day. There's no question about it. It is a lucky day. Um, first of all, it's a great day because, well, it's my birthday. So there you go. One more trip around the sun, baby. I've defeated another year and look forward to many more. But that's not why you're lucky. That's just kind of the hangout thing. The reason you're lucky is we're going to talk to my friend Patricia. Uh, and you're going to really enjoy this conversation, uh, I think. I did, for sure. So you know the rule, right? I always have the same rule. If I'm on your podcast, you're on my podcast because we can double up the content and it counts. And I always kind of think it's interesting. This one is even more interesting because Patricia is a um, physician who works in safety in the country of Colombia. Now, the fact that she's a physician is just its super cool because she has lots and lots of uh, just advanced knowledge on, on health and safety. But what she does for, for her organization is even more remarkable in that they provide really guidance to the country um, on their health and safety programs really across the board. So from large multinational companies to – little tiny companies and everybody in between. And I've known Patricia for a while. She's um, a, a super good friend and just an incredibly charming person. You'll figure that out quickly. So I don't have to tell you much about that. I mean, she's charming. But what I think is interesting is to really listen carefully to what people think about and what they're talking about on this journey. And in this case, it's always interesting to listen to the story from South America because that's a huge part of the journey. But it's also, I think, important for us to think we're all collectively and quite globally in this journey together. And there's just incredible things going on. There's incredible things in Brazil happening. Certainly, Colombia is, is amazing. Things in Mexico are happening really all around the globe. And so that's a great opportunity. And long story short, Patricia and I have a project that we're sharing in that we're going to write, uh, we actually, we've started, so it's, it's not too late. Uh, we're putting together a book that's specifically written really for that part of the world, for Latin America, for South America, for uh, the Spanish speaking world. And, and certainly it has, a pretty long reach, certainly Europe, but it's um it's a culturally specific book that thinks about what it's like to actually work these issues in organizations that may not have as much historical baggage around the old journey that some of our organizations have. And so that that's a great opportunity. It's a, it's a really fun opportunity. Part of this is in celebration of the fact that due to – and I have so much thanks, and I'll talk more about this as the pod progresses. But uh, the Five Principles book is now out in Spanish. And I promised it would be. And thanks to a great extent to the effort of one incredible, incredible human being who I will talk about specifically more. 
um, it's done and it's available and you can get it any place you get books for sure. Um, and it's, it's basically the five principles that's been carefully and thoughtfully translated into Spanish. Now, lots of you have asked for that. So that's not going to be a big surprise. And I can clearly see why this would make a difference. There just aren't a lot of safety books that have been translated uh, certainly into Spanish. And now there are. I mean, and I'm sure there'll be more after mine. I just can almost guarantee that that's what will happen. But for now, that book is is available, ready, and out there. And um, just Google my name, uh, Books in Spanish, but it's the Five Principios de Human Performance. But I can't remember. I can't remember how to say it in Spanish. But it's very good. Well, it sounds super impressive, and um, and the books is really cool. I mean, it's. I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it a lot. That sort of led to this discussion. Now, this discussion has been in the works a while. And basically what they did was wanted to talk to me about that very book, the, the five principles, and they wanted specifically to talk about those five principles. So that's pretty much what the podcast is going to be about. It's in English, but the introduction's not. I mean, relax, you'll be fine. But the actual work itself, the discussion we have is in English and it's, it's, it's quite doable. What's interesting is not necessarily what I have to say. I mean, enjoy that as much as you want to. But I like how Patricia responds to what I say. And I think that's a that's a really important part of the journey we're on. So that's the pod for today. Sit back and relax and be thankful because there are people doing Herculean work. Amazing. I cannot thank these folks enough for helping bring really the discussion we have to all sorts of corners of the world, even though the world's round. And so the whole corner of the world thing is a little bit. Uh, you know, controversial. Let's stick with it nonetheless. So without any further ado, this is the interview with Patricia and myself on the five principles of human performance. God, so I'm going to introduce you in Spanish. Perfect. Um, and then um, I want to, uh, well, mainly I want you to talk uh, about the five principles. Okay. It's just because it's it's so good the the news that we are going to have your book in Spanish, but it's so important. Those fundamentals are really important. We I have agree. to like uh, talk and uh, have these conversations all the time, uh, many many times. So that's that's this half an hour with you, and um, I will introduce you in Spanish right now, and then we'll go to ask you just one or two questions about these five principles, all right? It's perfect. Now, so are, you, are you going to translate in real time or will you? No, we are going to translate it later because okay. we first want the interview, then we're going to translate it and then we'll send it to you before we uh, send I, it to the people. No? I trust you. Yeah. No worries. Uh, no no worries. No worries. No, we, we really want you to uh, listen to the thing. No, no, no. Okay, so cuando tú me digas, entonces vamos a grabar nosotros. Okay, so cuando quieran. We'll start.
Muy bien. Tú me dices cuándo. ¿Ya? Bueno. Eh, muy buenos días o tardes a todos los que nos eh, están escuchando. Tengo el placer de presentar a Todd, Todd, un gran amigo, una persona muy, muy importante para todos nosotros. Eh, Todd, eh, si pudiéramos hablar de su trayectoria, eh, nos tomaría mucho tiempo. Todd eh, trabajó durante 25 años en uno de los laboratorios eh, de investigación y desarrollo más importantes del mundo, Los Álamos. Eh, ha escrito muchos libros que realmente son muy, muy importantes. Eh, Pre-accident investigations, los cinco principios de desempeño humano, que ahora les vamos a dar una muy buena noticia. Eh, Do Safety Differently, que eh, lo escribió en conjunto con Sidney Decker. And When the Worst Accident Happens, que también es otro de sus libros. Los he leído todos y tiene un maravilloso podcast que sale dos veces a la semana y que realmente vale la pena escuchar. Eh, yo conocí a todos hace algunos años. Unos hubiera querido conocerlo durante más años eh, o, o antes, pero lo conocí hace algunos años y para mí ha sido un referente. Me ha ayudado mucho a entender esta disciplina. Me ha acompañado en mis pensamientos y por eso quisimos invitarlo hoy. Todd, eh, psicólogo, eh, tiene un doctorado en comportamiento organizacional de la Universidad de Nuevo México y bueno, todos los eh, elementos asociados a su carrera. Voy entonces a invitar a Todd. Hi, Todd. Hello. Uh, thank you for, hi, thank you for being here with us. Un coso, um, un coso más. Um, tenemos un proyecto juntos. Nosotros sí. libros. Sí, sí, también <laughs> tenemos un proyecto juntos. We have a project together and uh, I've been I've been a little bit lazy, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll do it. We'll do it all. No. Yes, I know. It's a pleasure to be here. No, thank you. Thank you so much for your time and uh, for spending this time with us. I'm very very happy again. So, Todd, um Welcome to Colombia. I hope you will have you here uh, soon. Please. In, in, perso in persona. Please, um, please, please. And, I love, uh, I love Colombia. You like the, it. The I people, know. the music, <laughs> arepas, you have it all. <laughs> yeah, arepa de huevo. I remember sí, that. Sí, sí, sí. So, so every, every, the more I think about the five principles as fundamentals, uh, the more I think we have to talk and have these conversations around them. So I would like uh, for you to go over the five principles. I know the time is short, but if you could like talk with us about the five principles, uh, starting with the first two, uh, people make mistakes and uh, blame fix nothing. And then we go uh, with the other three principles. So if you could like just Tell us about it. Well, so I think first we should start with just a quick little overview of what a principle is, because I think that's kind of a difficult concept sometimes. And I yeah. think of it sort of like this, Patricia. If the organization is a river, it's always in motion, it's moving forward, it's constantly changing. There are parts of it that are calm. There are parts of it that are filled with rapids. It's a river. It's, it's in motion. The organization is always moving. 
then the principles would be the riverbanks. They hold the organization in its zone, in its area. And so when you think of these principles, what they do is they provide sort of a a guide for how the organization moves forward into uncertainty, which is what every organization is doing, is moving forward into uncertainty. And these five simple principles were a part of a long journey that many people before you and I have taken to understand how can we create an environment, how can we build an organization that is able to function in a complex world successfully. And these five ideas became a big part of this discussion. And it starts fundamentally, first and foremost, with the idea that people are human. And because Uh people are human, they're fallible. And because people are fallible, we can't build a system that expects, or maybe I should say demands, that the people perform perfectly every time they do the work. One of the things that's so interesting in Colombia, but really in the rest of the world, is how many critical things organizations manage. Things that are critical to safety and critical to environment and critical to production and critical to profit and critical to to customer satisfaction. All of those things coexist. And we live in a world that's filled with uncertainty and people make mistakes. They make them all the time. In fact, the best people in your organization probably will make the most mistakes because the best people probably do the most complex work in the most difficult situations. If you have a hard project, you don't send the new guy. You send the old experienced guy because that almost guarantees success. Because people make mistakes, it's our job in organizations to not build systems that expect perfection, but quite the opposite, to build systems that expect failure. We expect people to make mistakes. We expect people to push the wrong button. We expect people to make the wrong turn. We expect people to make a wrong decision or choice because that's just part of the journey in being human. And so the key that I always think of when I think of these five principles is that mistakes are normal. And because they're normal, they're not very interesting. And because they're not very interesting, we must build them into our system. And so our job is to create a workplace that can handle a mistake, not a workplace that collapses when a mistake is made. But all of that is held up by the idea that mistakes are not choices. So you don't choose to make a mistake because if we define mistake, mistake is an unintentional deviation from an expected outcome. So we didn't Mm -hmm. choose to make a mistake. And if we don't choose to make a mistake, then asking workers to not make mistakes is not a very good corrective action. That's really important. And I think fundamentally That is the foundation upon which every good organization is built. That failure is not the opposite of success. Failure is actually a very important component in understanding how to be successful. And I think it's very interesting because, uh, as you said, uh, we have to fail safety. 
we have, I mean, we, we can't expect not to have uh, failures or mis or we can't expect not to make mistakes. And that's why it's like a fundamental. No, it's something that uh, we have to, uh, I mean, like, that has to be part of our conversation all the time. And we have to be prepared for that because uh, it's not always good news. Organizations right. are expecting good news all the time, but uh, not all are good news. We have good news, bad news. So right. I, I agree and I agree. And I, it, it took me time to understand what a fundamental is. It took me time and I had to read it and uh, mm -hmm. read it again and go over it again. So the invitation is that we have to think about this as a fundamental and we have to read it and we have to have these conversations all the time. So they become something important to move uh, in order to move forward. Is I that right? I think you're exactly mm -hmm. right. And I think one mm -hmm. of the things I try to remember is that if we design a process that expects the person to be perfect, that process will fail and often fail catastrophically. So if we don't want to have big, horrible, catastrophic failures, we have to design systems that expect failure to happen. But to yeah. get there, we have to talk about the second principle. It's very mm -hmm. strange how the first and second principle are very close together. They're, they're, they're like cousins that they, they, they exist together. And the second principle is the idea that blame fixes nothing, but between you and I and the rest of the Colombianos that are listening to this conversation, I would actually suggest that it's maybe even more important to say that blame stops improvement. And so one of the things that we have to be very aware of in our organizations, whether it's large or small, is that our goal in any organization is to get better, is to improve. We always want to continuously improve. If you remember anything from the quality effort that happens across the globe or, or W. Edwards Deming, they talk about the, the spirit of continuous improvement. And what's amazing is we only get better if we understand that blaming people stops us from learning. So when something bad happens and we find a person who did something bad, which is always true, if something bad happens, somebody made a mistake or they made a wrong judgment or they turned left instead of turning right, that's always true. It's a part of every single accident, but it's also a part of most every single success. So when something bad happens and we search for the person who did something bad, if we stop when we find that person, then all we've learned is the person did something bad. What we want to understand is how could one action cause that much consequence? And so if you come to me and say, in my company, a worker made a mistake and it had a very, very serious outcome. The least interesting part of what you just said is that the worker made a mistake because mistakes are normal and they're not choices. We've talked about that. The most interesting part is how can one mistake cause this much harm? How fragile or how brittle is our system that one mistake could cause this much catastrophic failure? And so it's much more interesting to look beyond blame to understand the system. 
because the system that surrounds the worker is really the part of your organization that allows you to fail safely, like we just talked about, or to learn and improve, which is so vital to the life of every organization. And only as the world changes around us, becoming more and more important. And we have to understand that that idea of blaming people feels like we've done something. It feels very satisfying to blame the bad person. But in reality, it doesn't tell us very much. It only told us that a person made a mistake. Right. And and when I look at accident investigations, they, they always end in the person. I mean, they, like, they always are like centered in the person, what this uh, person did or didn't do. And uh, I think it's terrible because we're not learning. We're, we're not learning at all. I mean, like... So I, I read something some days ago. Uh, it was an interview with many, many workers, and it was published like last uh, year by ILO. And uh, it was there, like there was fear mm-hmm. because of blame. Like people are afraid to say, to talk, to say I made a mistake or I or this happens because they fear the consequences. And I think that's uh, because they're always the blame. Blame is always there. Blame is always present. So that's, that's really important. Number one, people make mistakes and blame fix nothing. Fix it, nothing. It, right. So uh, I think we have to talk a lot about that also. But I think you said something very important, very brilliant. I'm so impressed by you. And that is that if we create an environment that has much blame, we've increased the fear. And what happens when fear is high in an organization, then leadership knows less about operations. And knowing less about how the company or organization functions doesn't make you stronger. It makes you weaker. Knowing more makes you stronger. Knowing less makes you weaker. And so we want to build an environment where people can talk. And the only way we can talk is it has to feel psychologically safe. And the only way it can feel psychologically safe is that there is no fear of repercussion. There's no fear of blame. And so that becomes really an important part of how we have that discussion. So we have... Principle number one, people make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Principle number two, blame fixes nothing. Principle number three ties those first two together, and that's the idea that learning is vital to operational success. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how to say this other than just to say organizations, by definition, must learn. If the organization stops learning, then the organization stops existing. That sounds very serious, but it's also very true. That what keeps us alive, both you and I, every day so we can get up and enjoy the world, is our constant ability to learn. Every day we become a little bit smarter. And so learning is really the key, not to safety, not to environmental compliance, but for everything, for everything. Uh And the moment we stop learning is probably the moment we stop living, which sounds very romantic or kind of scary, but I think it's probably true. 
I know, and and it has to do with principle number one and principle number two also, mm-hmm. and the, this psychological safety that we have to build within the organizations because is if we're not knowing what's going on, uh, then we are not going to learn. And uh, a little bit about learning teams, Tom. Thought I, I've been reading a lot yeah. uh, about learning because yes, because. If we don't build uh, these learning teams within the organization, uh, then I don't know if we we will be able to learn or not. I think you're right. Well, it, it certainly will help us learn more effectively. Um, and the learning team is based on the idea that the people who understand the work the best are the people uh-huh. who perform the work. So the, right. le- the least informed person on how work is done is probably senior leadership because they don't really do the work. They manage the people who manage the people who do the work. That'll be very interesting to translate that. I, I look forward to that. I will. I will. <laughs> You'll be great. You're amazing. <laughs> what's amazing yeah, to sure me, that I will do that. <laughs> what's amazing to me is that in fact, the ability to understand how work is done, is best understood by talking to the people who do the work. And so learning teams become a really good tool to help management become smarter. And the great thing about a learning team is that they're already there. They already work in the organization. They have so much expertise on how work is done and they're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it's a really incredible resource. It's the closest thing I can think of, Patricia, that is near a predictive data set. So people talk all the time in the safety world that we want to look for leading indicators. That's a word you hear a lot, leading indicators. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure there are leading indicators, but there are people who work for you who understand your system well enough to know what will fail next. So that third principle is really foundational and it's very important because it's the lifeblood of any organization. If the organization is not learning, it's not thriving and it will die. Yes. And uh, I I remember what you said. I've been listening to your podcast for many, many, I think (laughs) like three or four years every week, twice a week. I mean, like (laughs) great. And I remember hearing uh, people that have the problem have the solution, no? Right, exactly. That's exactly true. uh, Right. And, uh, well, if we don't ask the people to uh, then what's going on, and uh, then we won't learn and we won't have the solution. So it's really important. And the principles are all connected one with the other. Right, right. They need each other. They can't survive alone they can survive alone but they very much need each other and what's uh-huh. amazing to me is that people make mistakes that blame fixes nothing and learning is vital those three uh-huh. are are very very close to each other they're they're very connected it's very right. important but that leads to the fourth principle which is the idea mm-hmm. that context drives behavior mm-hmm. this one's interesting because we've been told most of our career that behavior is something we manage. 
that our job as a leader is to manage behavior. And, and yet I would suggest that we don't really get to manage other people's behavior. We can barely manage our own behavior. It's very difficult to manage. <laughs> it, it's hard, but it's even more difficult to manage the behavior of other people. And if you've raised children and, and you have beautiful children, so you understand completely that you build a context, you build an environment, and then you guide them in that environment and you hope and pray that they will survive and thrive and become successful. The same is true, that behavior is a function of the organizational context. And the best question I can think to ask is, do you behave differently in a bar than you do in church? That's a good question, you right? You don't really have to. Yeah. I don't know if you should answer that or not. I mean, but, <laughs> but and, and we behave differently. I mean, it's not the same. It's no. the context that made you like. The right. context. And That's so right. you're the same person and mm-hmm. you still are you. But the context you're in makes you behave differently. And, and so you'll always behave different around your parents than you do your children. You'll always behave differently around bosses than you do employees. Those are really normal things. And part of what helps us understand, and the reason it's the fourth principle, is because if we want different behavior, we must create different context. And right. so if we want a different organization culture, then we have to create a different organizational context. So I was just on a call mm, yesterday with a person who said, my job is to change the culture of this organization. That's what I was hired to do. And I'm going to do it by training all the employees to be better. Well, so that's not a very good idea because one, it's sort of offensive to all the employees because it's assuming they're not being better now. But also, it's kind of scary because that means they're going to try to change behavior by asking people to change behavior. That never works. You don't change behavior by changing behavior. You change behavior by changing the culture, the environment, the context. If you want to eat less arepas, you should be in a place where there are less arepas available. Less arepas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And these people-centered interventions are not good enough. I mean, like, no. it ha- it happens here with driving. Uh-huh. Like, they, they've been teaching people how to drive safely, but then the context, we it's terrible. So you drive because the context, uh, what you see, what you have in the streets and so forth, makes you drive in a certain way. It's exactly not telling you're, people You're exactly right. And that's a yes. really good example, is that if you want different driving, then create different driving environments. So if you want people to go slower, make the road more narrow. Yeah. If you want people to go faster, make the road wider. Yeah. And that actually will dictate how people perform. So that is the fourth principle. The first one is people make mistakes. Second one is blame fixes nothing. Third one is that learning is vital. And the fourth one is that context drives behavior. All of that leads to the final principle. And I think there could be there could be more principles. But so far, five is what we have. Five is great. And I know this last one will... It's a good conversation to have with the leaders. It's the because, best conversation. Wow, they get upset sometimes, they but do. It's, it's nice to. And so, please, Todd, they the don't. Fifth, 
they don't want to hear me say this. They don't want to hear you say this. Right. But how leaders react matters. And so how a leader shows up in the organization is going to color what happens next. So if a mistake is made, if an accident happens, how the leader responds to that accident will color what happens next. If they choose to blame and punish, then they're going to increase fear and secrecy and decrease information. But if they choose to learn and improve, then they can't blame because blaming is the opposite of learning. But the benefit they get by trading blame is they actually trade blame for knowledge. We, we trade trauma for wisdom. We always, as human beings, trade trauma for something bad happens. But the benefit is we learn from it. That same is true in the organization. We don't want to spend our time talking about what happened that was bad. We actually want to build an environment where what we talk about is what we learn from what happened, how we got better. That's a really important part of this discussion. Yes, we've we've been uh, listening to leaders, and uh, I I am really I get really upset when I. Um, I hear a leader say, "Say uh, we can't have accidents here. We want zero accidents yeah. here," and uh, I think it's terrible because people won't. That's blaming. I mean, like yeah. Yeah. I think it is connected with blame and uh, with uh, this notion that people make mistakes because when they say we uh, we uh, our indicator is zero accidents, then uh, people will be afraid of of like telling the boss or telling their managers uh, something that happens. And I think that's terrible. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly so, right. Uh, so if leaders react to, a, to when something happens, if they react uh, very aggra- in an aggressive way or something like that, then, then people won't talk anymore. People won't. And so the organization won't learn. And so we, we won't have, we won't, we won't be able to, uh, as you say, bounce forward. Yeah, exactly. Bounce forward. That's exactly uh, it. Those are the uh, five principles. Those. Yeah. Uh, those are the ones. I'm using your. I'm using your words. I'm using your your <laughs> everything. So, Todd, thank you, and tell us about the book. I I'm so excited that we will have this book in Spanish. The yeah. five principles. And I think I'm it'll so be. Happy. I think it'll be available today or tomorrow on on oh, amazon good. and it's basically um uh, a person from mexico contacted me a couple months ago and said i would like to translate this book just straight across translate it and are you interested and i said sure and so yes. the translation was done and we had to do a new cover and make it happen and uh and we're gonna publish it on amazon Um, I guess we already, I already am publishing it on Amazon. It should be available anytime and I'll make it, I'll try to price it so that it's very affordable and available for anyone who wants it. That's a book that we all have to read, not once, two, twice, (laughs) or many, many times. And, uh, it's going to be, it's going to change many, many things. So it's, it's good that we have it in Spanish, uh, now and, um, that, well, we'll try. We'll and, try to put this. And next will be our book. That's the book I'm excited oh, about. Oh, yes. That's going to be the best oh, book ever. Yeah, I've been lazy. No, so you're not lazy. 
<laughs> Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being with us. We had sent you this um, Anytime. conversation and um, have a nice weekend. And again, thank you. Thank you so much. It's thank you. So nice to see you and so nice to hear I'm what you say. So happy and pleased to do that. Let's come to Colombia soon and you come to Santa Fe. Okay. I will. Okay. I will. Prometo, really prometo, prometo. Prometo, prometo, prometo. <laughs> Adios, amigo. <laughs> Okay, bye-bye, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. So wasn't that a good time? I told you it was kind of fun, and I'm glad you got to share it with us. It'll be translated and broadcast in Spanish all over Colombia very soon. Very soon. So you can hang out and listen to it again if you want to. It's all available to you. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks, Suri. Thanks for doing all the work. Um, it was amazing. You guys, thanks for being a part of the pod. I'm glad you're here. Have fun. Do something exciting, will you? Learn something new every single day. Be kind to each other. Be good to each other. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. Be safe.